This episode of Is This Working is brought to you by Moo. Moo is the place to go to easily design and print quality business cards, postcards, and stickers. Welcome to Is This Working, a podcast about the messy parts of work. With me, Anna Codriarado. And me, Tiffany Philippou. It's the season three finale. Yes, we've come to the end of our very impromptu season three, which I don't actually think we actually let anyone know of this, um, but we were actually planning on launching a whole different season and then the pandemic hit and we essentially came out with what has now turned out to be almost like an audio diary of the impact of the pandemic on work. Yes, and I remember we kept on posting bonus episodes and then suddenly we realized this isn't go- not going yeah going away I guess and so we realized that we had to have um, a whole series dedicated to it essentially and it's just crazy listening back so I listened back to um, our episodes for today and as you say like it, we've captured this audio history of the impact of the pandemic on ourselves and our work and it's absolutely fascinating to hear the journey that we've all been on yeah I mean if I think back to the last episode that we recorded in person that was the episode we did about working from home and I just really had not computed the reality of the situation then and how serious it was um actually kind of listening back to that episode it was it was quite it was quite a light episode and I think in the back of my mind I was thinking oh okay well we'll just work from home everyone will just work from home for a bit um and but life will carry on as normal I just did not really appreciate the full gravity of the situation it's really crazy so that episode came out before um the lockdown was announced and as you say like before we really understood the seriousness of the situation even though we were a few weeks behind other countries so we could have just looked abroad to see what was happening but I've been thinking about this a lot because I felt that now is really the time that I've really truly and I'm sure we'll talk about this more later learned what it means to a accept the reality of the situation accept how long it will go on for and then also really live in the present as a result of that but it's just crazy listening back to that episode because I do think it's almost like a, our brain's survival strategy was to com- not as you use your word compute what was to come um, and we very quickly learned that this wasn't about working from home this was about working from home during a pandemic. Yeah exactly and I mean, I think, you know, listening back to all of the old episodes and sort of thinking about, because, you know, what we're going to kind of do today in the season finale is just try to reflect a bit on everything that we've learned and sort of try to think how all of this is impacting us and the journey that it's taken us on. And I mean, to state the absolute obvious, this pandemic has just, or at least it's shown me just how broken work really is. And it's just really forced us to confront some of the worst habits and ills we have around our work and not just at the big level, not just kind of at how many, and of course there are so many injustices in in the kind of labor market and work as a whole, but also just on a personal level as well. So um, I think we want to close out this season by just spending a bit of time on essentially just reflecting on what we've learned. 
Yeah. Um, and as you say, this has really brought to light and exposed some of our worst working problems. And I, for one, think that they've always been there, but this has really shaken them up and intensified them. And so actually there's a lot to be learned from the past few months and also from the past podcast series. So let's delve in and really take apart what we've learned and why we don't want to go back to normal after all of this. Let's start with how we started, which was talking about working from home and routines. And we learned a lot about our own routines and what that said about us during this pandemic. Yeah, I mean, you know, and we've, we've obviously said this on um, on many podcasts throughout the season, but um, I just think it's so important to emphasize that for both of us, we already worked from home and yet we were deeply affected by all of this. And it's not the case that just because we knew how to work from home, we knew how to handle this situation. Um, one of the, the very first Zoom episode we did was with um, Anna Newton, who is the Anna Edit on Instagram and YouTube. She's a content creator and she also works from home and she's actually been working from home a lot longer than us. And most of that discussion was around how our routines have been completely shaken to the core as a result of everything that's been going on. Um, I just, I personally found that I just couldn't do all of the things that I used to do in my day. They just, I could no longer do them and I could no, and they just no longer were working for me. Um, and that still continues to be the case today. I mean, I was just, um, just before we got on this, um, recording, I did a workout and, you know, I often used to work out from home way before the pandemic or, and when I went to a gym and when I went to the gym, I often did a lot of um, self-directed workouts and now I can't do that anymore because I don't have the brain space to sort of figure out what exercises I want to do. I need to do workouts where it's someone telling me what to do. Um, like, you know, someone kind of on a YouTube program or whatever it might be running you through the exercises because I just don't have the capacity to figure out, figure out that for myself. Um, but what's been really, really interesting for me is that this whole experience has made me or forced me to completely undo everything that I used to do. And I think the most tangible way that that's manifested is in my, is in my to-do list. So I now have a completely new way of writing my to-do list. So I now start every morning by writing down what my needs are. So not what I have to do, not what I think I need to do, but what are my, what are my needs? And very often they're quite basic needs. Um, but I try to frame them from the perspective of, um, you know, what do, like why I need that thing today. So for example, I might write down that today I need to take care of my body by eating wholesome food. Um, or if something is more in relation to work, it would look like today I need to fulfill my purpose by working on a project that brings me joy. Um, and that's just been a completely different way of thinking about how I structure my day and thinking about what needs to happen that day. And it's just been, it just, it, when you kind of have to give yourself a reason for why you need to do something. And when you, when you think about it like that, the impact that I've had of doing that has just been, it just has been, it's forced me to actually consider what does it, what does an actual priority look like? Um, and that's been, um, 
it's it's been quite a you know it's been quite a difficult it's been quite a shocking journey in the sense that you know I, I more or less woke up one morning and like everything that I used to do just stopped working for me and it's been quite a painful process rebuilding that um but this is one thing that I definitely want to keep I want to continue and carry forward I absolutely love that and similarly for me um I always, there's, it's all about prioritization when making that list, but the self is more important than ever. So, um, you know, I plan when I'm going to go outside, I plan when I'm going to do my exercise, um, I plan when I'm going to eat and those, all those things come first. And if I've got through the day having, you know, showered, done some sort of movement, um, then, then that'll, that'll do. And, um, so yeah, I've definitely had to, I guess it's about lowering expectations about what you can achieve as well. And my sort of pandemic work strategy has kind of been to sort of do as little work as possible and while still progressing and doing some work, but, you know, I, and, and really like planning sort of those breaks. I basically work half days, actually, I would say now. I I do as well. Um, I work a lot less. And what's really interesting is that I I don't actually really plan my day that much anymore. I used to live by calendar blocking and sort of every minute of the day was accounted for. Um, and and now it's kind of, I write that list of things that, that I need to do and they kind of, the order in which they happen in, I'm, I'm less fussed about that. I mean, obviously, of course, you know, I, if I know I've got a podcast recording at 11am, I have to do the podcast recording at 11am. Um, but I don't plan my days within an inch of their, of its life anymore. Um, and, and I also have kind of, I, I have inevitably worked a lot less and weirdly felt a lot better for it. Um, that kind of, it just makes me just also think about another massive theme that came out of the conversations we had around um, the conversations we had over the course of the season, which is about productivity. Um, because my own relationship with my work and particularly with productivity has changed drastically over these last few months. And it was actually something that Harriet Minter, who is a um, speaker and coach and journalist who was a guest on our podcast. Um, She's been a guest a couple of times, but she was a guest during this season. She said something in the episode we invited her on um, that really like hit me in the gut. And it was about how we use work as a numbing technique. And that just made me realize like, oh my God, that's that's exactly what I have been doing for a long time pre-pandemic. And right now it's what I have been doing as well. I've been trying to take, almost find comfort and meaning in, in burying myself in my work. Um, and something that I have been trying to do lately is what I have noticed is I've been... I sometimes I wake I, I don't, you know, each morning I wake up and I just don't know how that day is going to go. Um, I will wake up and I will feel really, really great one day. And then the next day I might wake up and I just feel awful and I can't do anything. And what I was doing towards at the beginning of this kind of situation is when I had those good days, I would kind of take them sort of like grab the bull by the horns and be like, oh my God, I don't know when I'm going to have another good day again. I'm going to pour everything I have into this day and just try and get the most out of it because I don't know how long it will last. Now, the problem with that is that it essentially made the bad days last a lot longer. So now when I have a good day, I kind of like 
I pull it back. I don't put in a hundred percent anymore. I put in, I put in 60 to 70% because I need to have that wiggle room for when I really, really have to do have to push myself. And I'm trying not to just, I'm trying, I'm basically trying to like just operate in a bit more of a sustainable way. Um, and all of that comes down to, um, completely dismantling my attitude and, and views towards productivity. Yeah, I definitely went on a journey where I, um, I've done quite a lot of thinking about work numbing because I feel like I spent a large number of my twenties doing that. And I felt like I'd sort of gotten over that addiction essentially. But then when the pandemic hit, I, uh, was working really intensely and then we spoke to Harriet and she brought up work as a numbing technique. And I thought, sort of thought, oh wow, like I'm an addict that's relapsed. Um, Mm. and then on, and I sort of thought I was past that. And then the other thing she drew out as well was I was talking about running, um, and I was running through pain and she was like, that's another numbing technique. And similarly in my twenties, I went through a phase of doing a lot of exercise and almost trying to find purpose and meaning in like a spin class. Um, because I was so lost. And again, I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's come back. And what, it's been really interesting is after listening to that episode and stopping, um, I just like totally crashed, like massive crash. Um, and then slowly, as you say, had to kind of rebuild a sustainable working life. And with regards to running, I can't run, like it ruins my legs. Um, and I think we've talked about this before, like it complete, it means I can't do any other exercise because it like, my legs are very tight naturally. And it just, I just, I just don't think I can do it. But I think what's interesting about running and productivity and how they're all interlinked with the pandemic is there's been this boom in running and like, by all means, good for you if it works for you and it doesn't ruin your legs and doesn't give you the pain that it's given me. But there's something very virtuous seeming about running. It's just, it seems a bit more virtuous than other exercise. Similarly, how productivity is quite like a virtuous pursuit. Well, yeah, because it's also very visible, right? Like it's when you're running in the, I can see everyone running in the park. No one, I hope, can see me doing my um, YouTube workouts with Chloe Ting on um, like in the privacy of my of my home. So it's that thing. It's like, it's in the same way that... Um, what people get mixed up about is actually being productive in the sense of um, being efficient with how you use your time and the output that you get as a result versus performative productivity where you're running around um, saying how busy you are um, kind of to show in, again, in that sort of like virtuous way that you are um, you know, that you're, you're getting stuff done and you are productive. Yeah. And as Harriet said, um, she said, we have a very puritanical view of what it is to be a worthwhile human being. And that is to be busy and producing something. But actually, if we're sat at home, not causing any harm, arguably we're a better human being than someone that's being hyperly productive, but causing harm. Um, and I think we've really had to confront that self-worth and productivity tension uh, throughout this whole pandemic and and as Anne Helen Peterson who was also a guest on an episode our episode about burnout um she said that our the pandemic's made this compulsion towards productivity look ridiculous and i think that is just 
so true that that compulsion was always there, but it's really brought it to light with all that like novel chat and all that debate. And, and I think it's been, yeah, I think it's really made us have to confront that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, it's completely, it's something, you know, we have been talking for a long time on this podcast about how there's a lot of bullshit around productivity and how people have got the idea of productivity a little bit um, kind of twisted somewhere along the way and that it's not about doing as much as you can. And, and you know, I include myself in this, like I, I, I said, you know, just five minutes ago about how I would, I would block, I would calendar block my time, which basically meant that, you know, if you look at my calendar, it's just blocks of time and every minute is accounted for. And I have down when I'm not only when I'm going to work on this project, but when I'm going to work out, when I'm going to shower, when I'm going to walk the dogs, everything is in that calendar and everything is planned within an inch of its life. And that isn't, that's not what productivity means right now. And it it probably never was really what productivity was about. And it's just turned the whole notion of productivity on its head. And it's also just exposed how damaging as well that narrative is that you as an individual can hack your way through all of the wider problems that we have um, in our workplaces, in our work culture, by if you just work harder, you can fix these problems. Um, And it's just exposed what a kind of lie the hard work narrative is so um I, I think I think that's been really really powerful in terms of um just exposing some of the like very deep-seated problems we have in the workplace right now yeah I think we really need to divorce this idea that I work hard therefore I am good or I work hard and so I'm deserving and I think that um that's a really damaging narrative, especially at a time when a lot of us can't work hard, whether that's because we um, are battling anxiety or maybe we've lost our jobs or our work. Um, In one of my newsletters, How to Be a Good Person in a Pandemic, I considered that maybe on a subconscious level, we were telling ourselves, if I work hard and therefore I'm good, maybe I'll get the reward of not getting sick from the virus. And I wondered whether that was why that obsession with productivity exploded. Um, But of course, what was happening at the same time, our notion of what it means to be a good worker was completely turned on its head when suddenly, quite rightly, we had a greater appreciation for key workers and suddenly work a bit more like ours felt a bit more meaningless. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I just... um like I just keep thinking this kind of like this whole concept of like, what does it mean to be a good worker? And like, who is, who is like, am I a good worker? I just, um, it's completely just been flipped because, you know, right now it's the key workers who are the ones doing like truly good work. And um, it just makes me think about it makes me think a lot about burnout because whenever we, when we've discussed burnout before, and obviously we talked about it on the episode in which we had Anne Helen Peterson on, who is a senior culture writer at Buzzfeed and um, probably best known for her viral essay about burnout. And she's actually, um, she's actually just finished writing a book about it as well. Um, And, you know, burnout happens when you become really disengaged from your work and where basically you feel like you are putting in more effort than, than you are getting, then you're getting the reward or feedback from it. Um, And so I've kind of talked 
in the past about how I've worked, I've had jobs where I got really burnt out because I just felt like I essentially wasn't kind of being valued for the work that I was doing. And then, um, when I started working for myself and kind of doing what I do now, I didn't have, even though I was working longer hours, I didn't feel burnt out in that sense because I didn't have that disengagement. However, right now I feel I have this, and and I, I know how kind of, this is really not sort of like, woe is me, get out the tiny violin, but I basically feel really shit because I'm not a key worker. I just feel like my work is so unbelievably meaningless right now. Like, what am I really doing that is contributing in any tangible way to kind of like help the um, sort of, other than sitting on my ass at home, um, what am I actually doing to kind of help in this situation? And so it just kind of like makes me feel like my work is quite meaningless. And, I, and I'm like very aware of kind of like how ridiculous all of this sounds, um, that I'm sure that there are, um, frontline workers who feel incredibly burnt out because they're kind of working in these kind of, um, untenable conditions. And I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like to be a frontline worker right now. So, but nonetheless, um, there is kind of a particular kind of burnout that fe- seems like it's kind of happening right now. Yeah, definitely. And we haven't even talked about the fact that this whole pandemic has completely shaken, um, well, it's, you know, the economy and also is, you know, we're hurtling towards a financial crisis. And that in itself means, and we talked a bit about this on our episode, which was called, Is Work Making You Lonely? Um, We're also dealing with the fact that we're not getting any feedback from our work. Um, Lots of budgets are frozen and cut. and, And so- we're not just dealing with the anxiety of the pandemic. We're dealing with work anxiety and we're dealing with job anxiety, financial insecurity, and the whole economic system, which is built around consumption and confidence in the market. Um, the Claire Seal, um, otherwise known as my frugal year in our money episode talked about how it was almost like a house of cards and it didn't, wouldn't have taken much to chop topple it anyway. And, I think that as well is, of course, going to cause a huge amount of feelings of disengagement and burnout because things aren't moving. It feels stuck and frozen. And that lack of movement and progression really rubs against essentially what makes us feel good as humans. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like it feels as though it's interesting that, you know, I'm glad you brought up all of the financial aspect of it as well, because it feels as though we've kind of moved through this phase of the concern has been very in the present and very much focused on, um, getting the, um, not getting the pandemic under control, but, you know, the focus has been uh, rightly so on the rate of infection and the number of, um, uh, cases and kind of like getting that R value down, flattening the curve, all of these buzzwords. Um, but now I feel that we're moving into this next phase, which is appreciating how much of an impact this is going to have on the economy and on work and on jobs. And, um, I spent most of the kind of first part of the pandemic, like actually very worried for health reasons and kind of what was scared of the virus itself, both, um, for me and also for loved ones. Um, but now, now my biggest fears are around money. And I just, I'm, I'm kind of operating on this, um, from this place right now where until money, until I actually see a payment come through and sit in my bank account, I just don't believe that it, I just don't, I don't kind of, I'm not counting my chickens basically. Um, 
And I almost kind of like don't believe that I will get paid until the money actually appears in my bank account. And that's a really, really stressful place to operate from because I'm now kind of, I'm running all these spreadsheets each month of, okay, what is the absolute minimum that I need to bring in for this month? Um, am I like, am I projected to get there? Um, here are payments that have actually been processed. And it's just, it's, um, it's a really, really stressful place to be in. And I don't think that's necessarily unique for freelancers. I know that there are lots of people who are, you know, in salary jobs and they're really worrying about losing their jobs. And um, there's been a real kind of uneven approach in terms of the government support. So, you know, it's been great. The schemes have been, have by and large, I do think the schemes have, have um, been good. I mean, I think it's been great that employees can, um, can be furloughed and they're also that you um that's mo- that most self-employed people have some access to some money but that's not true for everyone and also there's been quite an uneven approach to who gets what so you know the furlough scheme has been extended but the self the self-employed scheme hasn't or at least hasn't yet in at the time of recording so it's just been basically the finan- the financial situation is an utter mess and it's incredibly stressful and if if you weren't already stressed enough by the kind of psychological consequences of living in lockdown for two months, you will definitely get stressed by the financial implications of what's coming next. Yeah, you're actually um, I, I, I re- thinking about all of this and what you just said has, has made me feel like physically stressed again. <laughs> um, Sorry, <laughs> but that actually, yeah, I so I don't qualify for any of the schemes. Um, and at the same time, yes, I felt a bit more stressed, but then I've also remembered how many times, particularly in the earlier days, I rang you and talked to you very honestly about my financial um, fears um, and my general fears. And also um, to spin it round, do love to do a little spinning. Um, it's made me really appreciate working with a friend um, and especially battling with mental health issues and all of this stuff and having your closest colleague be someone where the friendship and the relationship comes first. Obviously I've always appreciated it, but in the last couple of months I've appreciated it more than ever. I mean, so much. I mean, I don't want this to be like, you know, I could very easily start crying right now, but it's um, I like, honestly, this podcast and kind of having, as you say, having co-worker who is who is first and foremost your best friend that has been one of the things that's kind of that's really got me through all of this and having these episodes to record and having that person that you can call and talk about the sort of the intimate details of your finances and your kind of like business problems but know that you're in very very safe hands like that has you know if any another thing that I definitely want to continue going forward is I I I I want to continue you know Art, like us working together. I mean, that was never in question that it wasn't that we weren't going to continue to working together, but I want us to work together even more. Um, I only want to work with people who they don't necessarily have to, I want to work with more friends, but I also want to make sure that my working relationships have, have this kind of openness and transparency and good communication and all of that I want to kind of bring into bring into my working life going forward and just bringing in a lot more empathy and a lot more kind of um it's almost like that friendship first approach to business that I just want to just cultivate more of yes I remember that coming up in an episode in season one and I think I said it quite off the cuff but I was like why um 
why don't people start businesses by gathering together and with a relationships first approach and being like, what problem can we solve together? And it's one of those things that like, again, I always think about when that whole room laughed at me when I suggested that robots would mean we could make the weekend longer. Um, (laughs) um, But it was one of those things where it's like, sure, laugh it off. But actually that makes perfect sense because right now there are probably a lot of people who are losing their jobs um, and you probably know someone that you've worked with before or who, who is a good friend this is the best time to collaborate with that friend and say, ask the question, what can we do together? And then start something from there. I mean, it's, you know what, it's been, it's, I can't emphasize enough how empowering and and what a special relationship that can be. And it, and it doesn't always just have to be kind of like a best mate, like we are. Over the, the course of this pandemic, I've done a quite, a, I've done a handful of projects with people who are um are basically you know freelance friends of mine people that I've connected with on on the freelance circuit and we've done a few projects together and they've they've just been it's just been brilliant it's just been it's been a, such a pleasure to work in that way um and so yeah I I definitely second that if there's something and that's the other thing to think about this is is that also a lot of people have been asking me um you know, there's been a massive interest in kind of people wanting to launch podcasts, people wanting to launch newsletters, people wanting to essentially kind of take control in some way and start a little side project or like do something. Um, and the biggest thing that holds people back is is kind of some variation of imposter syndrome and, and kind of lack of confidence. Well, you know, what's a really great way to kind of fake that confidence is to do it with a friend. I mean, like, you know, look at this podcast, neither of us knew how to make a podcast. And I think we're kind of, we got this thing off the ground so much faster because it was the two of us backing each other um, and like kind of handholding through the process. Otherwise, you know, I would have kind of like left something like this just to sort of like never actually materialize so yeah I mean the appreciation of working with a friend um I've just it's been such a big one for me in all of this that's true because I experience quite regularly crashes of confidence where I just sort of decide I can't do anything and I sometimes say to myself um you you can't be too terrible at pop talking on a podcast because Anna wanted to do it with you and she's very good so 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 it's that um (laughs) she's 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 intelligent she lets you sit with her so surely it's okay and and as whereas if you're always just working on your own you 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 don't really have that necessarily so as you say and and I've certainly suffered with those almost like imposter thoughts really frequently recently and I'm sure that's um you know the fault of the pandemic and the financial crash but as you say just having a network of like-minded individuals who can sort of validate your experience and indeed friends is just an absolute game changer so yeah so that's definitely great yeah definitely um let's take a little break and when we come back let's talk about some some of the key things that we've learned over the season So 
So Tiff, what's stuck out for you from, especially from, we've had some such brilliant guests over this season. What pieces of advice or what lessons have you learned that really, really stuck with you? So definitely for me, when Harriet Minter talked about numbing, uh, as I said, I didn't realise I still did that. Um, And what I did with that advice was I thought a bit more about actively sitting with my feelings. Um, And I actually again wrote a newsletter inspired from that conversation where I talked about tensions and anger as some people were breaking the lockdown rules and and how actually a lot of that judgment was distracting from our own feelings and so I've tried to really actively um, sit and engage with my feelings a lot more. I've actually started journaling for the first time Um, so really trying to be very aware of, of what's going on and almost like let you feel them because again, past hot podcast guest Holiday Phillips, who does these incredible meditation classes on Zoom, um, she did one class that was about um, experiencing your feelings and how you actually make them worse if you try and push them away. So yeah, exploring that numbing and, and trying not to numb anymore. And I feel a lot better for it. Yeah. And that also, I think it, that really ties into something that Laura Jane Williams, who um, is an author, um, best-selling author, um, who, when we recorded an episode with her, she was talking a lot about this mind-body connection and how, um, and how you know, feelings, feelings come from in your body. That's where you feel them. We think we, we feel them in our heads. We don't, they're in our body. And actually the importance of be of bringing awareness to what your body is telling you and actually listening to it and, um, doing things that, um, are going to kind of be good, be good for both the mind, body, and soul. Um, and it's, it's something that kind of, I, I do think about a lot, you know, it's that oxygen, put your own oxygen mask on first, um, saying where, you know, you need to take care of yourself before you can kind of help anyone else. And I think that that's something that really, really applies right now. Um, and a really key way to do that is just by actually kind of like listening to what your own body is trying to tell you. Yes, actually, that was a real turning point for me when Laura Jane Williams said the body keeps score. Um, and once I heard her say that, I started hearing some other people I really admire saying that as well. So Glennon Doyle in Untamed talks about the inner knowing and be still and try and feel the knowing. So I've really thought about throughout this experience about, as you say, like the body knows what's what. So try and listen to it. And also I love when you say, put your oxygen mask on first. I think that's just absolutely brilliant as well. Well, it's just, you know, it's that thing where you've got to, uh, and again, to use, to lean on another, to lean on another slightly cliched saying, but you know, you can't pour for an, from an empty jug. Right. So, um, it's that, it's all of that same thing. Um, the other thing that, um, I found particularly helpful is, um, I'm actually looking at my version of it right now, but somewhere along the way, in this season, I talked about the worry tree. I think I talked about it on an episode, um, with the creative rebels. I think actually it was an episode of that we went on their podcast for, but we did release as a bonus episode as well. So the creative rebels are, um, Adam Brazier and David Speed, who are both, um, legends. (laughs) <laughs> yes, the legends. Um, they are. Um, they own a, a number of businesses, including Graffiti Life, which is a um, street art. 
business. And they also have a podcast called Creative Rebels, where they basically talk about, you know, the value of creativity and building your own business and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, we went on an episode with them to talk about the pandemic, which feels like a million years ago because no, we recorded it. Yeah, we did record it over Zoom. Of course we did. Um, anyway, I talked about the worry tree. This was such a long-winded way of me getting to the worry tree. I talked about the worry tree, which is a, um, it's one of those kind of tree diagrams and it it's designed, it's actually a um, cognitive behavioral therapy tool and it is designed to help you let go of worry. So when you feel really, really overwhelmed by feelings of worry, um, it, it basically kind of helps you figure out what it is that you're actually worrying about and figure out whether there's something you can do about it. And if you can take action to alleviate the worry and if you can't let go of that worry and bring your attention back to the present. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to what a worry tree looks like, but what I've actually done is I've, um, I've like, I've drawn, I've drawn out a worry tree on a piece of paper and I've stuck it above my computer. Um, just to remind me because very often what I do is I'm worried and I sort of like look up and I see it and it reminds me to, um, um, just to kind of like bring myself back down to earth almost. Um, and it, it's been interesting. So I've been leaning on quite heavily in a lot of these sort of, um, uh, kind of almost like therapy tools basically right now. And, you know, a lot, lots of tools that kind of like help you with resilience and help you with kind of like managing anxiety and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll pop a link to the wire tree in the show notes. I love that. And I think that there are probably a lot of people right now who are worried about their jobs, uh, might be on furlough, might be worried about being made redundant. And I highly recommend the worry tree for that. Um, I, I, I similarly did it after Anna's advice when I started panicking about freelance work going and it is extremely calming. I also wanted to talk about how we've talked a lot about control during this season. So Anna Newton brought it up, Laura Jane Williams brought it up um, and how we're all created our lives in quite a controlled way. We talked about it as well. And what this pandemic has done has really made us realize that we cannot control things and actually we have to be flexible and to accept that we don't have complete power over what goes on. And I actually think that's a really important lesson to learn, even though it's you often unfortunately learn it at the worst points in one's life. Um, and I found I can sometimes find it quite freeing to sort of relinquish control and accept that we cannot control things. Yeah, definitely. It's been quite, I, for me, it's been quite a, a painful lesson, I think. Like I said, you know, I'm someone who, like, I am a card carrying control freak. Um, and um, it's been quite a painful process sort of letting go of all of the things that I used to do, which I realize now were just all my own way of just trying to control everything about my life because of this fear that, you know, these terrible things would happen. That, and if I just controlled everything, then I would make sure that I would ensure that I, um, that my job was never at risk or all of these things. I don't even, I don't even really know what I was like, what I thought I could um, control my way out of, but that's what I was doing. And it's, um, it was quite kind of been, uh, like I said, it's been, it's been quite confronting to realize how, how much I did that and how much I need to let go of it. 
Well, I thought I didn't do that. And then I learned that I did. Um, and as you say, it's a painful process. This whole thing has been a really painful process. Um, you know, we've had to really be confronted with a lot of really harsh realities. And one of the things that I think the only, and, and again, the only way to handle the harshness of that reality is to fully embrace what we know is one of the cures, which is to be compassionate to ourselves and to others. Um, not a new idea, but we have needed it more than ever. And I've had to be extremely kind and positive in how I talk to myself and extremely overly understanding and presuming that everyone's trying their best and mean well when working with people. And it's been painful, but I really just hope that we hang on to that way of being after all of this. Yeah, I mean, more compassion, more empathy in the workplace, um, not only not only kind of at a cultural level, but also just on a personal level. I just think it's so needed right now. Um, just to wrap things up, if there's one thing that you're going to take away from the last few months, from this season, what what has that, what has it been? What has the pandemic taught you? So for me, what I've really learned is what it actually means to live in the present because it's something that's talked about a lot. And I used to think that I did it just because I was slightly spontaneous and a bit of a commitment phobe about planning stuff six months out. But actually, um, I've learned on the one hand what it means to be present. So that is very much um, focusing on the now and creating in the now in a way that I feel fulfilled, but also at the same time to do more future planning um, because I used to not really want to engage with things more than three or six months in advance. So I really want to, I feel ready now to sit down and work out what actually I want from my career next, how I want my new working life to look. Um, so yeah, so I've actually finally learned how to both plan well and think strategically long-term for my life, but also live in the present and appreciate the day-to-day -day and just be a uh, grateful for when I have a good day under the current circumstances. I mean, I think that's huge because I think, I mean, speaking for myself, but living in the present in a meaningful way is just, is so difficult. So I think that is, that's such a huge and important lesson. Um, for me, I think that what I've really taken from all of this is that this is the very beginning of a huge and very important journey towards rebuilding and that everything that I'm kind of doing from this point forward is putting down the stepping stones or building blocks or whatever analogy you want to use um, towards what my new future, my new work future, my new life future, whatever it, whatever it might be is going to look like. And that everything that's happened over the last few months has just completely, it's almost just like everything has just been completely broken down and like scorched to the ground. I'm just thinking of, um, thinking of little fires everywhere. I've just recently watched that on Amazon. Um, side note, but yeah, that kind of everything's been, has been burnt right down and now it's time to rebuild from that. Um, but it's the beginning of what is going to be quite a long journey. Um, and I'm, I'm actually quite happy with that. I definitely don't want there to, be, I don't think that, I, you know, again, kind of tying this all the way back to what we said at the beginning, like this is not about immediately returning back to normal tomorrow. Um, I actively don't want that to happen. I want this to be a meaningful and 
well kind of thought out exercise in what do we what do we want tomorrow to look like and what steps can we take to build the future that we actually want you will emerge or we will emerge like a phoenix rising out of the ashes um and i think that's a beautiful thought and i think we've both learned so much from this experience and I would love to know what our listeners have learned as well. So please do tell us what you're going to take into this. And as you say, Anna, it's an ongoing change and it's going to keep going, but actually that's cool. I'm into that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been a really, really, I mean, this has been a historic season in our, in our, in our kind of podcasting journey. And so, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you to my beautiful co-host, Tiffany a wonderful soul and also to our brilliant listeners um, for being on this journey with us and we will be back soon for an epic season four yes thank you so much Anna for everything Um, and also huge thank you to all our guests all the wisdom that you have taught us the time that you've given us could not appreciate it more and yeah finally thank you to uh, the listeners um which is you thank you so much we really appreciate it all your feedback and listen it's made us feel so much more helpful during this time so thank you so much and we'll be back also thanks to chris as well (laughs) thanks chris thank you to moo for sponsoring is this working Whether you're a big business or a freelance creative, or even just for fun, Moo is the place to go to easily design and print quality postcards, stickers, and business cards. Now is a great time for design and printing so that you can hit the ground running when you get back out into the world. Lots of people will also be using this time to finally kickstart their creative careers. We've got 20% off at Moo for listeners of Is This Working? Simply enter the code ISTHISWORKING at the moo.com website for 20% off your order. We'll also add that code into the show notes.